Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. If you care to see a video presentation of these sermons, you must use the Spotify app to see the videos. Otherwise, continue in the medium that you've chosen and you will get the audio version only. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're in Genesis 14 where we're talking about Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're continuing our Walking with Abraham series. We're still in Genesis 14, and now we will focus on Lot, Abraham's Lot. We're continuing our Walking with Abraham series. We're in Genesis uh, 14. Last time, uh, I guess I, again, messed up my slide here, I guess. But last time we were in Genesis 13 with Lot going on, and we're going to return to Lot. We took a little bit of a jump this morning and we went later in the chapter so we're going to back up and now carry on with the story of Lot. If you remember last week Lot and Abraham were fighting and they split up and Lot chooses to go in a way that Abraham didn't expect and so we're going to find out what happened to Lot in the meantime. And we talked this morning about how God calls us a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. And you shall be unto me from Exodus 19. And that's God speaking through Moses. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. And as we just sang, a holy nation. Holy. That because God is holy. And if we choose to then participate with God. Then we will leave the things of this world. And we become more like him. Therefore we become holy. We become holy only because of our participation with God. That he is holy, and by following in his ways and being with him, then we align ourselves to him. And by virtue of being with him, then that's how we become holy. And so that's what Moses was commanding the people on Mount Sinai, that this is what God wants us to become. And he's talking to the children of Israel. But he wants to expand that, because in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter picks up this language and he says, we're a royal priesthood. Talking about everybody, not just Israel. Remember, back to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, the promise is through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's interesting in this chapter, as we discussed this morning, that there's a king who worships the same God that Abraham does, named Melchizedek, interestingly. So we talked about him at length this morning. Okay? So. Abraham is a witness of this God to the other nations. And the king of Sodom is not quite uh, getting the message. <laughs> He's just kind of in the picture there. He, he had lost. But Peter says we're supposed to be that holy nation. That he has called us 
called us, you and I, out of darkness into his marvelous light. And again, that's going along in now. We're going back to Genesis 12, verse 3. It says to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And here we have another example where Abraham is successful because God blesses what Abraham does. And then Melchizedek, on behalf of God, God uses him to be one of those who blesses Abraham. He's able to succeed in his mission to save his family. Remember, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? Lot has moved off to Sodom. Well, here is the map that we're showing. Okay, You have these four kings that are going to line themselves against these five kings. So five kings local to the area where Abraham is in decide they're not going to pay their taxes. <laughs> we're not going to do it. We're just tired. We're going to rebel. So these four kings who are in charge, and it's way down there in the land of, you know, Shinar and whatnot, where we had the Tower of Babel, Babylon, these four kings then say, okay, we've got to go teach these guys a lesson that you're going to pay us taxes. And so they come and battle the five kings. Okay? They battle the five kings, and they win. They said, you shouldn't. And when they battle the five kings, they scoop up the king of Sodom, and guess what? Lot's with Sodom, so then Lot gets scooped up in the whole deal, and now they're headed home. And they're taking all these people captive, and they've taken all their stuff. Word gets back to Abraham that your nephew Lot has been scooped up in this military campaign. Now Abraham is just Abraham, and yet here we have an international incident. You know, we're reading about all these things. The Ukraine and Russia thing going on. you got all this, what's going on in Taiwan? What's going on in Israel? What's going on in North Korea? What's going on? All these international incidents. This is an international incident. This is no small thing. And you have these four massive powers that come in and they attack the five main leaders in Abraham's neighborhood. And take them out. Win! And then they're headed back home. And what does Abraham do? He gets word and he heads off north so that he could attack them. So Genesis 14, 12 picks up the story. They took Lot, Abraham's brother, son, who dwelt in Sodom and Lot's goods and departed. So remember, in chapter 13, Abraham and Lot are so big because Abraham did what he did with Pharaoh in Egypt. <laughs> but God blessed him somehow. And so Lot says, we're too, you know, we got to separate. So Lot departed from Abraham. And he goes to Sodom with all of his stuff. Well now, Lot's lost all of his stuff and now Lot's departing as a prisoner of war with his family. Going off to be a slave. But when we left him in Genesis 13, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But here, he is in Sodom. He's getting closer and closer to Sodom, further and further away from Abraham. And you can see the trajectory that he's going in. You can see what's happening here. So he went from towards Sodom to now in Sodom. 
Now let's take a uh, moment to see some parallels here. And maybe I was just thinking of the movie Taken. I don't know why. I just kind of came to mind. Uh, it, it was uh, a weird movie. They made this and never expected it to do anything in Hollywood. How in the world a guy the age of Liam Neeson was going to make any money going around beating a bunch of bad guys because they took his daughter. Okay? But then here you have old Abraham <laughs> and they're taking his nephew. And uh, he makes quite... A hit. He beats the enemies. In Genesis 12, Sarah is taken. Now in 14, it's Lot who is taken. Both of them seem to be innocent. We don't have any reason to believe there's any reason for Lot being taken. Except the fact that he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. At the right time, I guess, you could say. But Of course, Sarah's innocent. And they're both outside of what God promised Abraham. They're both outside of what God's mission is. They're outside of what God's intention for Abraham is. This happens when Abraham is in Egypt with Sarah and outside. And then this happens to Lot who Abraham said, you want to go north or south? And Lot says, no, I'm going outside and I'm going east. Because he went outside. So as we sang that song under his wings, both of these cases, they're not necessarily under his wings. They've kind of gone outside. I still remember that. I was in, um, I was at my father-in-law's house. At the time, he wasn't my father-in-law, but I was in Nepal at my father-in-law's drinking my morning tea that Alicia probably made for me. And uh, my father-in-law had a terrible time trying to raise chickens because to raise chickens out there on the mountains, you got to have enough sun to keep them warm because they die from the cold. Well, his house didn't get as much sun. As everybody else's house. The way it was situated, it just didn't get enough sun in the cold weather for chicks to survive. But they were trying, once again, to try to have some chicks. They don't have electric to do all that to eat. And I was watching, and there was Mother Hen with all of her chicks. And she kept hiding them underneath her, and you wouldn't see them. They were all hidden underneath of her, under those wings. And so I was sitting there drinking my tea, and I'm watching, and out, remember, this is a mountain, so there's down the valley and up the other side of the mountain where she went to high school. And in that valley, there's this bird circling. And it's pretty far. You can't hardly see the bird when it goes out there. It's pretty far. And it's just circling around. I'm like, wow. So I'm kind of watching the mother hen and the chicks, and then I get my attention on that bird. And I look, and all of a sudden, I don't know if there was the, the, the bird out there made a noise or what, but Mother Hen took off, and they're all running. And some of the chicks are not quite underneath Mama Hen's wings, and that bird way out there shot in, went by, and almost just right by the ear of my translator, down, grabbed that chick, gone, just as fast as just like that. Just, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I'm like, whoa. Unreal. But because that chick got away from mama too far, then the enemy was able to take the chick out. And so, being outside of God's protection, the name of the Lord, Proverbs 18 says, 10 says, is a strong tower. The righteous run into it safe. It's when we get outside that we fall into danger. And so, Lot is outside because he's sitting in Sodom. 
First he was near Sodom, now he's in Sodom. Of course, we know what happens to Sodom later. That's another story. Other parallels. There's a battle of five kings here. The five kings of this land lose to four kings that are outside. In Genesis 14, later on we talked about Joshua 10 and another king related to Jerusalem and righteousness. We talked about that in Joshua 10. That's also a battle of five kings. Those five kings decide to attack Joshua and they lose. They lose. Abraham's battle is at night in Genesis 14 and Gideon in Judges 7 with only about 300. Gideon's got 300. Abraham has 318. We're not sure what the deal with 318 is. But Abraham takes 318 of his men, goes north and beats four armies. Four kings. How in the world? Genesis 12. Bless the God. Don't monkey with Abraham. Don't monkey with his family. So, God keeps his word. Amazing. And Gideon, also, he's got thousands, and God said, that's too many, and keeps narrowing down until God gets him down to 300. And then Gideon's battle takes place at night, and he wins the day. So those are some parallels I was thinking about as I was studying this. Also, I don't know how well you can see this, because it's, I guess, is this is better, I think. There we go. But then it messed up my next slide, I think. But anyway, here we go. The parallels. You have Melchizedek, is king of Salem, and Abraham is talked about in Genesis 23 later as a king. Genesis 23, 6. Hear us, my Lord, thou art mighty prince among us. In the choice of sepulchres, bury the dead. None of us withhold thee from the sepulchre, but thou then mayest bury the dead. This is when Abraham wanted to buy some land to bury his wife Sarah, and they call him a prince. The Greek actually uses the word, you are a king, from a God among us. They recognize the power of Abraham. They recognize, wow. In 23, we know that you are among us. They call him a king. Why? He's battled four kings and beat them. When five of their own kings couldn't get the job done, Abraham got the job done. And all Abraham's trying to do is get his nephew. That's it. But the Greek uses the actual word for that. Prince actually uses the word in Greek for when they translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek before Jesus. They used the word king. So Abraham is a king. Melchizedek is king. Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High. Abraham, we said this morning, worships the Most High. And Abraham lets him know which God we're talking about here to make it all clear to everybody. And Abraham, how is he depicted? Building altars, making sacrifices, and he is the one who is circumcising. A lot of priestly duties sounds like that Abraham's like a priest. He sure sounds like it. He does the role of a priest. So Abraham is also king and priest, which I said we're supposed to be kings and priests. So again, it's God said in Genesis 12, 3, Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and all the families of the earth shall be blessed and we're going to get this blessing. And so you have this confab when Abraham gets the victory, he's coming back. And the king of Sodom lost everything but was able to save his own skin hiding out. And he comes out of hiding. And Abraham is bringing all this back. And they stop off at Jerusalem and Melchizedek comes out to bless him knowing, I know your God. I worship the same God. I don't know his name. We talked about that in Sunday school. I don't know his name. But I know how to, I'm worshiping him. And you serve him. And Abraham says, well, I can tell you his name. 
I know him. More parallels. The king of Sodom is at a loss as what Abraham will do with his newly required wealth. Sodom, the king of Sodom is worried about Abraham's got all the stuff now. <laughs> okay. These kings, five, four kings have traveled so far and then conquered so much and then we're going back home in victory and Abraham whipped them so now Abraham's got all their stuff but he's also got all the king of Sodom's stuff he's got everybody's stuff it's amazing Melchizedek comes out to bless Abraham to worship the most high God and the king of Sodom's worried about his stuff <laughs> what about my stuff? mainly about his people he wants to know what are you going to do with my, my wife, my daughters the king of Salem knows rightly all his gods Melchizedek is the king of Salem. He knows that everything belongs to the Most High. Why? Because he calls the Most High the possessor of everything. That word can also be creator, but it's in this context, it is the King James has it right, possessor. He possesses everything. And Abraham pays a tithe. We talked about that out of the Hebrews 7. And Hebrews is going to use that to say that Jesus is priestly priesthood is greater than the Levitical priesthood because Levi is in the loins of Abraham paying a tithe to Melchizedek. So the Levitical system was plan B. God didn't plan on the Levitical system. That's something he had to institute. But his plan was always Melchizedek. King and priest in one. Matter of fact, Moses should have been the priest. It was Moses saying, I can't do it. And God said, okay, I'll send your brother Aaron and he'll pull you by the ear down there and he'll be your mouthpiece. God wanted Moses to be the leader and the priest of one. To be a model of Jesus. The king and priest in one. Moses was reluctant. God says, okay, I'm going to concede, give you concession here. But it should have been one. Anyway, Abraham kingly in his own right models God in giving. He says, I don't want your stuff. He gives 10% of everything to Melchizedek as an act of worship to God because that's his priest and Jerusalem of all places. Salem. Jerusalem. Jeru means city of Salem. Jerusalem is the city of Shalom. The city of peace. And we went through all that this morning to tie you to show you that this is the same place. And then he says everybody that went with me because he had some people go with him you give them what they need because they went you know they went you pay for their gas and their food and everything you give them what they deserve but don't give me anything I got what I wanted I just want Lot and his family I just want him he's, he's just like God I don't need your stuff but he's after family Amazing. So the difference is there that you see between. Now in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, Moses teaches us, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore in his father, as it is this day. Abraham's learned something. He's grown up in chapter 14. I had Pharaoh's stuff, I got it. It wasn't the best way to get it. He's grown up some. He says, I don't need your stuff. He said, if I take your stuff, then you're always going to want your stuff back. So you're going to be wanting to fight me. And it's not worth it. I don't want to fight with you. Take your stuff. I think you told me when the Super Bowl is when. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. 
You have your Super Bowl. If that's what you need to do, okay, fine. You know, but I'm going to worship God. <laughs> if the King of Sodom needs the Super Bowl, then hallelujah. Go watch the Super Bowl. But listen, those who truly want me will find the true riches. So Abraham's like, I'm not interested in your stuff because you're just going to say that I made you rich. And both Melchizedek and Abraham knows that this is because God gave him the victory. So he says, I don't need stuff. I got God. <laughs> He's all I need. And everything I need will be provided. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There's that word righteous we studied this morning. Righteousness. And everything you need be provided. Abraham's smart here. He's smart. He doesn't need stuff. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 6. As he saith in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is being compared to the priesthood. He starts in Hebrews, the author starts comparing Jesus to the Levitical priesthood, the high priest of Aaron. But then he amps it up in chapter 5 and says, but Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek, not Levi. We talked a little bit about this. That's from Psalm 110 verse 4 that we talked about this morning. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, the psalm is prophesying that a priest is going to come like Melchizedek. But actually, Melchizedek's like the priest that's coming. See, we got it backwards. Robert's not here tonight. Maybe he's going to listen to this message. Tell him to listen to this message. We got it backwards. We say, oh, Melchizedek is a type of Christ. You know that Christ is going to be like Melchizedek. No, it's the other way around. Melchizedek is like Jesus. In other words, Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Yes, it's, it's pointing to Christ. Christ is not pointing to Melchizedek. It's the other way around. Okay? He's going to be after the order of Melchizedek. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, furthermore, because I told you we're kings and priests, and God hath made us John says, kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So we have been made kings and priests, and it's forever, through Jesus, who fulfills what Melchizedek was only a shadow of. Melchizedek is just a shadow of what Jesus is going to fulfill. We're kings and priests forever. Isaiah 66, verses 21-22, which this is the end of Isaiah, is just like the end of the book of Revelation. And I will also take them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord, for as the new heavens and new earth which I will make. He's talking about all nations here. I'm going to take them as kings and priests, like I took the Levites and made them priests for a temporary situation. I will take the nations and I'm going to make them kings and priests talking about anyone that's not even Jewish. You don't have to have Abraham's blood pumping in your veins. You don't have to be of the tribe of Levi to be this priest. Now they do allow Jesus to be the son of David. But the question the Hebrews is answering is, how can Jesus be both the high priest and the king? Well, in Moses it should have been one. But Moses didn't follow that. So I taught you this morning that the scepter was going to be out of Judah. The king is coming out of Judah. But Jesus is not a Levitical priest. He's after the order of Melchizedek. Because it's forever not based on Levi's blood, but on the blood of Jesus. And it's forever. Levi is you're a priest as long as you're a descendant of Levi. When you die, it's over. 
When Aaron died, he was no longer high priest. They had to get a new one. Melchizedek, it's not mentioned who his parents are. I'm wondering if he, they found Melchizedek at the wild goose. <laughs> no parents. No parents. That's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. He has no parents. It doesn't record his death. It never records all that information about him because that's not important. The Levites, you have to know father, son, son, father, all the way to, they get to a point where even the Levites are corrupted and the Jews at the end of the Old Testament only want those who are of the line, the Levitical line of Zadok. Righteousness, Zadok, Zadok. Only those Jews who are Levites but can prove that they're tied to Zadok, which is another word for righteous, Zadok, are the ones that can be chosen in Ezra and Nehemiah to proceed. Because we don't know. All the other Levites, I think you mixed with other people. Your blood's mixed. In other words, you have to have a bloodline. You have to have the DNA connecting you to be in the Levitical priesthood because it's temporary based on your DNA. Melchizedek, it's not. It's not based on genealogy. And Paul will argue that you don't have to have Abraham's blood in your veins either. You just have to have the faith of Abraham. In other words, God chose Melchizedek just like God chose Abraham. And just like John says, you didn't choose. Jesus says, you didn't choose. You were chosen. Don't think you choose to be a Christian. No, you were chosen. You were chosen. You did not choose me. I chose you. He goes on and says, verse, uh, we're again in Isaiah 66, 21, 22. Shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and name remain. God's going to do this forever. So back to Hebrews 7. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning days nor end of life. In other words, he has no genealogy. Melchizedek has no genealogy. So if you're looking at Jesus' genealogy to see how he can fit in the Levitical priesthood, that's the problem with the Levitical priesthood. It's based on genealogy. It has a beginning and an end. And that's why we have in the Bible all those son of, son of, son of, son of. And that's why we got this big, long family tree. That priesthood is temporary based on family tree. Constantly talking about a beginning and an end. A beginning and an end is not eternal. As a matter of fact, none of us are eternal. I don't, my mentor taught me, says you don't use the word eternal about us because all of us had a beginning. <laughs> we may not have an end because we're going to be with them, but we all had a beginning. The only thing that's eternal is God. He has no beginning and no end. And God, that big God, decided to choose Melchizedek in a way that you don't know. It doesn't, Melchizedek's just a man. But the Bible doesn't record his beginning or an end. There's no birth certificate, death certificate. Only because this priesthood is not based on that. That's the Levitical priesthood, which is temporary. And the Levites aren't sacrificing animals today, are they? They haven't done so since Jesus said, hey, your temple's done. So their, t- their service is over. That's the book of Hebrews. We got something better than Levites. We got Melchizedek. It's a kingdom of priests that has no end forever. Just like we said the scepter was going to be forever. But made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually. 
So, without pedigree or ancestry, his priesthood is not based on the family lineage like the Levites, but solely upon the fact that God said this is what's going to happen. And God is saying that, and that's why you're here. I don't know how many of you are Jews. I don't know how many of you have Abraham's blood pumping in you. Certainly, I don't think any of you can tell me if you're of the tribe of Levi or not. I know I'm not. For years, people always would ask me when I worked jobs, construction, out there, and they find out I'm a preacher, they'd always ask me, was your daddy a preacher? Like, only the only way I can be a preacher is if my father's. Are you a preacher? <laughs> the only way I can be a preacher is if my father's a preacher. How else can you be a preacher? They don't know how pre- pre- where preachers come from. They have no idea. They tell these terrible stories. They joke all the time. They don't know. They think that because it has to be genealogical. No, that's Levi. Back to Hebrews 5.10. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is after that order of the priesthood that has no beginning and no end. That's what he's talking about. Yes, Melchizedek died. Yes, Melchizedek is just a man just like Abraham was. There's nothing in the Bible that tells any differently. He's just a man. But what we learn from him is that he wasn't chosen based on who his father was. He was chosen by God. Okay. So back to 1 Peter 1.16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Because I am holy, you can be holy when you're with me. Not because you obey a bunch of rules. But because you're with me. When we're with God, when we're following God, we're holy. When we're not, we're not. It's by virtue. It's always amazed. Nepalese, even now. My wife is cold. What does she do? She wants to sit in the sun. Because she's cold. So she gets out whenever she can and sits in the sun to get warm. It's cold over there. They don't have heat now. They have to sit in the sun. Larry caught me the other day. The internet says, and I think you mentioned it this morning. The internet says that if you don't get sun, that it can be very depressing for some people. If you haven't seen the sun for days. We went like seven or eight days recently without any sunshine. It was ridiculous. you got to have sun. And then it resets your clock. It resets your clock. And you're supposed to, if at all possible, see the sun in the morning. My parents are laughing because they used to joke all the time. Dad got to see the sunrise several times a day. First he saw the sunrise, then he saw the next sunrise, and then he saw the next sunrise out of bed. <laughs> and don't you see the sun? You're supposed to see the sunrise, and you're supposed to see the sunset. But we, if we're inside all the time on computers, it messes up everything. And they're saying how important the sun is. We need that connectivity to the sun. Well, the same thing, we need connectivity to God. Okay, it's not about obeying a rule. You don't come on Sunday night because there's a rule that says if you miss Sunday night church, you're going to hell for a dirty. You come here because you want God. Amen. But they don't understand that. That's why they're not here. Oh, you think I'm going to be there on Sunday night? They think it's a rule. They don't understand it's being with God. Back to Hebrews 4.14 Talking about this priesthood that Jesus is Seeing then that we have a great high priest That has passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God Let us hold fast our profession We have Jesus as our high priest With a priesthood that never ends 
There's no beginning to Him and there's no end to Him. He's everlasting from eternity. Verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus gets us. Everything that we go through, He went through. He's gone through it. Yet He was able to do it without sin. But yet, He understands us. What is that commercial all the time on the radio? Jesus gets us. He gets us. He understands. He's been there. He's gone through this stuff with us. Because He's become like us. And they... And everybody after the Bible, all the early church fathers saying, He became like us so that we could become like Him. That's what the early church fathers in the writings say, beginning with Irenaeus. He became like us so we could become like Him. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne. We have this access we talked about when we went through these verses previously, last fall. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. He gets us. Jesus didn't go through all of that, the cross, and then so that we come before Him and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. There's no, I'm sorry. It works. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can boldly come before Him. Earlier, He talked about this in Hebrews chapter 2, His priesthood, saying in verse 12, now we went through these passages before, saying, I will declare thy name, your name, unto my brethren in heaven, in the midst of the church will I sing praise. He's talking about the church in heaven. The priest that went up there. He's talking about the real church. Up there, the heavenly beings. His brothers up there, those heavenly beings. I'm going to go up there and you, I'm going to declare your name to them. Up there. And again, verse 13, I'll put my trust in him. Jesus puts his trust in us. We should put our trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. He's showing off in heaven all of those that God has given him, all of us believers. Verse 14, Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, which Jesus partook of, he himself likewise took part of the same. He's just like us, yet without sin. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of the death that is the devil. He destroys the devil. He destroys death. We have no end because of Jesus. Jesus had no end, although Satan thought he was going to put an end to him. He has no beginning, no end. We have a beginning, but we have no end. (laughs) Because we're with him. We're kings and priests after that order. Not Levites, but of the order of Melchizedek. A priestly order, Jesus is not alone. We're his kings and priests along with him. And now we have no end. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all in their lifetime subject to bondage. We're subject to all this stuff in our lifetime this side of earth. But when we enter into the everlasting, we're free from all that. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels. He didn't become an angel. He didn't die for angels. He became like us, human. But he took on the seed of Abraham. There it is, the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham. He took on that seed. When all the earth said, we're not going to worship Yahweh. God says, okay, Abraham, let's show them what we're missing. Well, one guy decided 
Melchizedek to be with Abraham. He says, I'm going to worship this God. He said, wow, this guy was worshiping the right God. And look what he's able to do to those four kings. King of Sodom's over there. He's still clinging to his gods. He wants his stuff back. Verse 17, Hebrews 2. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, like us, that we that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For all people so. Remember, all the families of the earth will be blessed through this seed of Abraham. Because of what Abraham was able to accomplish, Christ came and saved all. Verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to secure them that are tempted. Jesus gets your temptation. Now he didn't, he didn't sin. And when you do sin, we talked about it this morning, 1 John 1, 9, when you do sin, we have an answer. We have Jesus. But he gets it. He understands. That's why he became like us. He said, why bother? He said, I'll just fry the whole earth. Just cook it. Burn it all up. No, he didn't do that. No, no, he came down here to be like us. Knowing the type of people that we are, the sins that we've committed. And he still died for us. While we were yet enemies, Paul says, Christ died for us. Moving on to Hebrews 9.11. We did 1 John 1.9 this morning. 1.19, now we're doing 9.11. Hebrews 9.11. But Christ being come on a high priest of good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. He says, not the temple down here, but that which is in heaven. Moving to verse 24, it says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but in heaven itself. In other words, this stuff down here is just only trying to model. Melchizedek was a human being, but he is only pointing to Jesus. This church here is only representing what's actually going on in heaven. The temple in Jesus' day and the author of Hebrews' day, if it was still standing, the temple itself, which it never mentions the temple destroyed, so we think that this is written before the temple is destroyed. Otherwise, it would be perfect. The argument... Boy, the, the author of Hebrews could have really put an explanation point on a sermon and beside the fact the Levitical temple is destroyed. It doesn't mention it. So we know that this book was written before the temple is destroyed. Because it would have been perfect to add that in there somewhere. Oh, and by the way, your temple is destroyed. It doesn't mention the destruction of the temple that happened in AD 70. So we know this book was written before that. Because everything this book talks about Boy, they could have gone on for chapters after chapters. But yeah, all this stuff and now it's all destroyed. It doesn't mention that. For Christ has not entered into stuff down here that was a only a model, a prototype, an example. No, 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 no. He went to the true, into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. He is in the presence of... We have our high priest seated at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Whatever we're dealing with, He is our priest right there. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc That's D-K-E-N dot cc we look forward to seeing you next time
God bless you.